Thank you, Brother Mike, and good morning, friends. We greet you today from the radio pulpit and the Bethany Baptist Church. We are grateful for the opportunity to come today and share with you a message from the Word of God. Today, let's take our Bible. We'll be going to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, and I want to share with you a message that was preached recently at the church. And I trust it will be a blessing to your heart as we go right into that service. Peter, chapter 5. And verse number 10, Peter said, But the God of all grace, He is the God of all grace, a saving grace, a serving grace, a keeping grace, a suffering grace, and a dying grace. The God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want to take that phrase in verse number 10, the God of all grace, and try to preach this morning on some eternal reminders of grace. You know, sometimes we think that uh, when we get to heaven, it'll be a different scene. I got news for you, friend. It ain't going to be a different scene. It's going to be about His grace. Amen. Let's bow and ask the Lord's blessing on the reading of the Scripture. Our song, Amazing Grace, says, When we've been there 10,000 years, We'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. May I say, just in the very outset of the message, when we get over there, when we make that our home, you know what we're going to be doing? Singing about and worshiping about something that went on down here. And it burdens me when people want to get away from that and think they're going to heaven. But can I tell you, thank God, it's all because of grace. And I bless His name for His amazing grace. The Bible tells us here in verse number 10, it says, The God of all grace, here He's the source of grace. And I tell you, friend, I don't know what you need this morning. I don't know where you're walking. I, I don't know what you're experiencing. But can I tell you, he's the God of all grace. He's the, God, he, he's the source of all grace. And then Jesus Christ is the talented, but the God of all grace who called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Thank God for the source of grace. The Bible says in Ephesians, verse 8 and 4, by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The other day, my brother-in-law and I were talking, we was uh, fellowshipping together and he was talking about a neighbor that he had been witnessing to. And he, this neighbor began to tell him, he said, well, I'm all right. 
He said, I, I'm all right. I, I treat my neighbor right. And, uh, I, you know, I, I give to charity and all of that. And uh, my brother-in-law said, yeah, but that's not going to save you. It's the grace of God and the grace of God only that's going to save you. He's thinking that his good works is going to get him to heaven. And i got news for you, friend. The good, your good works will not buy you one day inside the city of God. So there's the source of grace. And then there's the subject of grace. He said it's called us. Amen. It's called us. I'm for salvation. I'm glad you're saved. I'm glad, thank God, uh, for the day you got saved. But I tell you, I'm glad, thank God, the day I got saved and got in by the good grace of God. I'm glad we're the subject of the grace of God. And then there is the sufficiency of grace. He said, after that ye have suffered a while. Reckon how many of God's children today, God's saints, are suffering for the cause of Christ. Ministers, preachers, missionaries, sharing the Word of God, uh, some behind the iron curtain, and they have to go underground to preach the Word of God. And if they're caught, they're in jail, and they have to suffer. But can I tell you, there's sufficiency of the grace of God. Jesus told Paul, said, My grace is sufficient for thee. In Romans 8 and verse 18, Paul said, I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And so today I just want to look at some eternal reminders of the grace of God. First of all, may I say, uh, there are the scars uh, that are reminders of the grace of God. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 20. John chapter 20 and verse uh, 27. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. May I say to that church, uh, uh, that body that they sang about, uh, that body that was crucified upon the cross of Calvary, that same body was buried. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus put him in that uh, open tomb, and they sealed it with a stone. But can I tell you, glory to God, on the third day, very early in the morning, they came to the stone, and they found the stone rolled away, and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's what I wanted to say. That same body that they buried, that same body that they scourged, that same body that they pierced his hands, that they pierced his side, they pierced his feet, that same physical body, thank God, got up on the third day, was raised in victory on the third day. And he would say in another occasion, he said, For a spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see me have, not flesh and blood, but flesh and bone. Well, you see, Thomas, uh, wasn't there the first time he appeared. Uh, uh, maybe he went hunting, I don't know, or fishing. 
Uh, but Thomas wasn't there. Uh, but eight days later, he stood up and he said, I'll not believe unless I put my fingers in the prints of the nails. I'll not believe unless I put my hands uh, in his side. I will not believe. And Jesus showed up. And that same body, my friend, uh, that they buried, that same body uh, that got up on the third day is the same body uh, that Thomas sees here. And he says, Thomas, just uh, reach into thy hand and thrust it into my side. Take your fingers and put it into the nail print. What I'm saying is that was not a spirit that got up, but it was a real physical fleshly body. And he had the same scars, he had the same wounds uh, that he had uh, when they buried him in that tomb. And my friends, that's an eternal reminder. Can I tell you, he still got him on his body. Our Lord was here for 40 days after his resurrection, teaching them and instructing them. But one day he went to heaven. The, he, the cloud received him out of sight. And that same body that Thomas saw, that same body that the disciples saw, that same body that above 500 brethren saw at one time, my friends, is still a body there in heaven. In Revelation 5 and verse number 6, John gets a glimpse of that heavenly worship scene. And it said there, in the midst stood what? A lamb, as it had been what? Slain. That word slain means to butcher. It means to slaughter. It means to maim violently. I tell you, friend, he suffered no man ever suffered. And the scars, the wounds uh, that he has in his body will be an eternal reminder. When I get to heaven, thank God, I'll see those wounds. They are eternal reminders of the grace of God. In Zechariah 13, verse 6, the Jews in a, in a future day they will look at those wounds in his hands and they will say, where did you get those wounds? And he'll say in the house of oh, my friends, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying the wound, the scar that our Savior suffered. And I say again, no man ever suffered like our Lord suffered. No man ever in his life like he did for you and I. You see, when he died, he didn't die for something he had done. He died willingly. He died as a sinner's substitute. Look on the verse 18 of chapter 3. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that bring us to God. Yes, he died as a sinner's substitute. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He hath made Him to be sent for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Thank God He died in my place. Thank God He died as my substitute. He died as my substitute. Died in If you want to turn to Isaiah 53 and verse number 3, the Bible said, he is despised and rejected of men, 
a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. I say today, friend, he not only died as a sinner substitute, but he died in shame. He was disgraced. Now, all the paintings that you'll see of the Lord at His death on the cross, picture Him with a, a loin, a cloth around the midsection. But in reality, that was not so. He died in shame. They put Him to an open shame. He was disgraced. Verse 3 said, He was despised and rejected of men. He was dishonored while he was hanging on the cross. There the soldiers or the, the, the rulers said, If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Hallelujah. I'm glad he didn't come down. If he'd have come down, I wouldn't have a hope. But thank God he didn't come down. Why? Because he's dying for me. He's dying for you. Hallelujah. He died as a sinner's substitute. He died in shame. And He died to be our Savior. Back in Isaiah 53, verse number 10, the Bible said, get this, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise Him. Again, verse 10, when thou shalt make His soul an offering for sin. Verse 11, He shall see the travail of His soul and be satisfied. I'm saying, thank God, He's my Savior today. He died in my place. Hallelujah. We'll stop off here with the message today and pick up here tomorrow. I trust that the Lord will bless you and may God's bountiful blessings be upon you. Uh, we'll pick up with this message tomorrow from First Peter chapter 5. Until then, may the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.